The following resource is presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to the Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. Any believer's life will go epic when they discover the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining our podcast today as we unfold more of the truths of who you are in Christ. Listeners, we are going epic. Going epic as indwell believers is absolutely where it's at. Those who are not indwelt by the Holy Spirit... The Word puts it very clearly and very plainly. 2 Timothy 2 verse 26 says, The snare of the devil being held captive to his will. Who's being held captive? Anyone who is not indwelt, whether they are purposing to go out there to destroy Christianity, whether they're shooting people, whether they're burning people, it doesn't make any difference. You can be, listeners, listen very carefully, you can be a wonderful pew setter who has been going to church every single Sunday and you've got your little Sunday school pins and those Sunday school pins are draped down to your belt. And if you're not indwelt by the life of Jesus Christ, you are serving the will of Satan. There is no other way to look at it. And if that's not a 602-292-2982, I don't know what is. Because people are so offended today that being a Christ follower is not being an indwelt Christian. They're offended. They think it's the same thing. And they're nowhere close at all. One is in bond slavery to Jesus Christ, and the other one is in mandatory slavery to Satan. It is critical for us to understand this because when we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others, we really do have to know the difference. Epic Christians, on the other hand, have the will of God within them. God did not come into us without his will. Do you think that Christ came into you without his mind? That he was brainless? When he came into you? And yet that phrase that we possess the mind of Christ is one of the most controversial phrases in the New Testament. Why is that such a controversial idea? Well, the same thing works with the will of God. When he sent his son to come and live within us, his will lives in us. His mind lives in us. And as it says in Philippians 2.13, at work in us both to will and to work for his good pleasures. So when you find someone who is doing things to work against the will and pleasures of the living God, then there's only two questions you can ask. Are they indwelt? 
Or why do they hate God so much? I don't know of any other question to ask. Either they're not true indwelt Christians, or they hate God as indwelt believers. Now, I have to ask the question, is that even possible? And I did spend several hours with someone on the phone this week who was saying exactly that, that they cannot figure out why they hate God so much. But yet all the terminology of the indwelt stuff is in place. Very well-trained person. But there's this inner hostility against strong indwelt believers or strong indwelt scriptures. There's just some hostility in there. I would probably get that taken care of if you're listening to this podcast. You cannot love God and hate God. As John said, the beloved of Jesus Christ, you either love God and hate the enemy, or you love the enemy and you hate God. I don't care what your fancy practices of sin are. Any form of sin is acts of hatred toward God. Any. I don't care who's doing it, an indwelt, a non-indwelt, the murderers, the, the people that are going to hose down people now in America. It doesn't matter. Whether you love someone with a selfish love, that sin is no different than the gentleman that walked in and hosed down those 50 people with, with a machine gun. There is no difference. It's hatred. If you don't use the love of God because he is God, he is love, and you don't use his love, John made it very clear. Then the love of God does not live in you. We have to carefully look at this today. Through a spiritual release, we can understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians 5.17 And do the will of God from the heart. Ephesians 6.6 By the active work of His grace. The will of God is not something exterior to the indwelt Christian that we must seek to discover and find and then aim at some kind of target, some kind of bullseye. It's like someone praying for patience. Who's prayed for patience before? What you're doing is that is a covert confession. Listeners, listen very carefully at 602-292-2982. Listen very carefully. If you're praying for pieces of the life of Christ, you're deceived. Did you or did you not receive the full Jesus upon salvation? And I think 90% of Self-proclaimed Christians would say, yes. Then why are you praying for pieces? Why? Jesus is patient. He is kind. He is loving. He's all those things and much more. So you say, well, what difference is it? It's semantics. So we pray for patience. So we pray these little selfish prayers. Does it really matter? Yeah, it matters because it locks you down into your own identity. You don't get released. To let God be God inside you. Very critical. We have the will of God within us. Don't pray for it. Are you with me? No, you're not. I'm telling you, I survey a lot of this stuff. People I text, people I do emails with, people I talk to on the phone or whatever. Whatever I'm working on for next Sunday, I like to throw out these little questions to see what they say. Particularly if they're theologian types. They don't get this. The average 
believer prays for God's will every day. Why are you praying for something you already have? It's like praying for a house and you're in one. But here's also what it's doing. I have an agenda. I have an agenda of something I want. I have an agenda of something I want to be freed from. I have an agenda of whatever it is. And I have an agenda. So I go to God and I say, Lord, what's your will on this? You might as well dump your prayer. He isn't about that. He isn't about answering your questions. He's about living his life through you and the questions get answered. Do you see the difference? No, we don't. Because tomorrow you're going to get up and ask God's will for something. And you're going to put these piddly little things in front of him in your prayer time because you are pleading with God for something that's on your list. You're not pleading with God to remove everything so the greater release of the life of Christ can come through you, which happens to accomplish those requests. So yes, they do get answered, but in a different way. Big difference. We are on number 127 of the Identity Matter series. As you know, we've been doing a series on True Grace. And under that, I've been calling the last 18 messages going epic. And this is number 18 of the epic messages. So we're going to talk today about the epic living of God from within. Even Jesus appealed to his Father to make sure all the clutter was out of his life to hear the will of his Father. That's a good prayer. So as he walked during the day, he was walking in the living will of God. Not coming with God with this list of, Lord, I got this, this request about Peter. You know how Peter is suffering. That's not how Jesus prayed. He prayed such prayers like, If this cup could pass before me, let it. So he's revealing his desire as a human. But how did he finish the prayer? But thy will be done. And I can assure you, God the Father did not answer a single prayer request on Jesus' list. And you want better treatment than he got? You see what it boiled down to? He didn't have this long discussion with his father about this cup. He just expressed his humanness. And he claimed to the Godhead, but thy will be done. Jesus knew he was going to have to drink from that cup. That he knew. And his desire was that he didn't have to. But thy will be done. If we could only pray like that every day. Every indwell Christian has the mind of Christ. The desires of God. The will of God. Granted to them in Christ at salvation. But, this cannot be released. None of these qualities can be released without having a relationship with Christ internally. Now we are living in days, if you have not noticed, where young people are rising up and killing people. Now, when that word of prophecy was given to us here that night, 
which I believe God did all over the world, by the way. It didn't just happen in this room. 2 a.m. in the morning is when the gun shooting took place in Orlando. And just in the past two days, I mean, I, I can document for you the hellish things that have happened in America since that 2 a.m. There is a new release going on, and the government's very concerned about it, about this lone wolf plan. And what they're doing is they're going out and grabbing hostile young men who hate God. They hate authority. They hate police officers. They hate. And they're recruiting them as lone wolf shooters. And they're mowing down pastors. They're mowing down police officers. They're going to mow down a whole lot more between now and election. This is our America. Why? Because they're independent thinkers who think they can determine who Jesus is, where Jesus is, how Jesus functions. And most of the time it's because they're angry at Jesus because they called out to Jesus to save someone. They called out to Jesus to heal someone. They called out to Jesus whatever, and he did not bow to their list. And now they are haters of God and anyone who represents him boldly. That's what's going to happen in 2017. What did Jesus say about children? There shall come a day when they, they will rise up against their parents and... Say the part no one likes to say. Kill them. Kill them. We're talking about young men that seem to be completely healthy and normal. They're not. They're haters of God. Hate always turns to... Murder, either in the heart or by gun. It's the way it works. That's what hatred is. It's to remove and destroy. Indwell Christians have been given the will of God. Now the key is having an intimate, dynamic relationship with Christ from within. It is not saying, Jesus, I'm going to say this as kind as I can, but you need to answer my requests. And if you don't, I'm going to throw a fit. I'm going to pout. I'm going to get angry. And you think that Jesus is going to go, okay, wait, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. No, he's going to let you be a murderer. That's what he's going to do. 602-292-2982. And that question was actually put before me this week. Why didn't Jesus stop this man? And then she went on to explain what he did to her. It was horrific. I showed you a Pakistan situation. They deal with that every day, some fashion or another. Where's God in all that? And we complain over running out of gas. The problems that are being dealt with by indwelt Christians in some territories is nothing like America. We get upset if our air condition goes out. But you see, God thinks differently. is very different than ours. This is the reason why some teachers attribute this whole mind, will, and emotions to the psychological part of man. 
They don't understand that Christ actually has a mind. He's not brainless. He actually has a will. And he actually has emotions, feelings. He feels he has joy. He rejoices with us. He, he, he has those. And they're inside you. So when your feelings are screaming out louder than his, he's not going to kowtow to you. He's not. He wants you to let him show you his mind, his will, and his emotions in all circumstances through the personhood of Jesus Christ. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 11. All of our podcast listeners, if you just look down at your smartphone, you'll see a little red box with a white cross in it. If you click on that or touch it with your finger, it will open up to this passage. But here is our passage for today. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 11 through 17. He says, Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Then he says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's the key. Understand what the will of the Lord is. You know, I was sitting back there, and as I was putting this together this week, I was doing my what if, of course. And I was thinking, what if every indwell believer in the entire world on Saturday night of this week was 100% in tune with what the will of the Lord is, what would happen to the world? What would happen? I'll tell you what would happen. There wouldn't be any more of these. You wouldn't be praying for your new this or that or the other. You would be so caught up in ministry, ministering the will of the Lord through you, and if every indwelt believer did that at one time, the Antichrist would rise up in the world. But see, the Antichrist doesn't need to rise up in the world today yet. He doesn't. Why? <laughs> the majority of the world is just like him. You see, he's not going to be called forward. He's not going to be called out until he starts panicking over these Christians becoming awake and unifying, and working together instead of constantly picking on warts and pimples and flaws on each other, we're going to unite, we're going to work together, and we're going to move forward together. The Antichrist is simply going to freak out. 
that's when you will see the Antichrist. And that day, I promise you, before the living God is coming real soon. Whatever comes out of these little podcasts, whatever comes out of this little room, is nothing compared to what the living God is doing in true and devout believers all over the world. And many people who are sitting in emergent churches, having their ears tickled with flamboyant arrogance of teaching people things that have nothing to do with this, that day's coming to an end. They are like lukewarm water in God's mouth. And Christ said he was going to do something. He's going to spit them out. But see, right now, lukewarm, the Laodiceans, the emergent church, is comfortable. It's exciting. It's energized. Because it's topical. There's no real meat. And that is an offense against the will of the Lord. You guys need to strap on your seatbelts. And I know you're going to hear so many horrific things come through the news. Just in the past 48 hours of the police officer that got shot up in Minnesota and then the Dallas thing where how many cops were, five cops were killed and how many were injured? You're going to hear that so frequently, it's not going to bother you anymore. That's how the enemy works. How can you be callous unless he rubs your flesh over and over and over and over until you do nothing? So there is a lot coming at you this year to set up for 2017. There is a lot coming. And you're going to want to turn it off. You're going to want to reach over and turn the radio off. You're going to want to reach over and turn the television off. You're going to want to reach over and slide through another app so that you don't have to listen or watch what is going on in the world. I don't care if you do or don't. You're not going to stop it. You're not going to stop this flow. It's like a flood. You're not going to be able to stop this from coming and doing the will of God. And if you think the will of God is to destroy the radical Muslims, they got more guts than you do. They stand up for what they believe. They're willing to die for what they believe. It's the lukewarm church. It's the Laodiceans he's coming for. And there's Laodiceans in this room. I've got Laodicea behavior still. You see, it's got to be washed out. It's got to be purified. And the only way I know how to do that is put a flame to it. To get the dross to come to the surface, you've got to torch it. Torch it's losing what you love. You see, I think about that couple's children. Those three kids. I think about what they're thinking right now. And I grieve. I think about Jamil having to face a, another horrific situation. Whereas most Americans are wondering what they're going to do tomorrow when they get up and have breakfast. There's something wrong with us. We can't unify anymore. We can't join together and be one force, one mind, one spirit. Philippians chapter 2. We can't. We hate each other too much. 
hating each other? I really believe the greatest test, as John said, how can you say that you love God and hate your brother? For the love of God is not in you. I believe that will be the great separation of the goats and the sheep. You really love me with your emergent love? Why do you hate your brother? We're being cleaned up, folks, and we need to listen very carefully. Jesus as our owner. Now, this is 602. What's the rest? 292-2982. Podcast listeners, don't be afraid to call that number or text me on that number because this stuff is going to start bothering you. And if it doesn't, that means you believe this stuff or you're emergent. One or the other. So here we go. Jesus is Steve Finney's owner. He's his Lord. He owns everything about me. He owns everything I own. He is the owner. It is not possible to have the release of the Spirit without appropriating the Lordship, ownership of Jesus Christ. When you are renting, what do you call the person who owns your home? Land, Lord. This is a life Lord. When we receive the exchange, when we receive the Trinity instead of the Adamic nature at regeneration, salvation, we receive the Lord God himself, the Trinity. Some have suggested that Jesus can be received as one's personal Savior and then later accept him as Lord. Really? Is that like moving into a house and the next year you say, okay, I have finally come to embrace the fact, Gene, that you're my landlord. Just wanted you to know that. <laughs> is that going to give him a, an aha? No, he's going to look at me like, what is wrong with you? I've been your landlord since the day you moved in. I'll be your landlord to the day you move out. That's exactly how Christ is. Christ said, I'll be the owner of you until I move out. Well, guess what? He's never going to move out. It's eternal. So here's the deal. Even though some people believe like that, it is impossible. For Jesus is both Savior, life, and Lord, owner. And to receive him is to receive him for all that he is, not in pieces. He cannot be exchanged in pieces or partial indwelling. You can't pray for patience, kindness, or anything else. Now this is your moment, listener. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ to anyone listening wherever you're at, driving down the freeway, or you're sitting in bed listening to this message, or you are using it in a church service, I am praying and pleading right now, you get this little piece. Jesus is not going to bow to your arrogant requests of coming in pieces. Oh, today I will give you patience. Tomorrow I'm going to give you joy. He's just going to consistently respond with, I am joy. I am life. I am the will of the Father. I am 
See, the I am is an identity statement. That's how he will respond. The initial confession of the early Christians was a verbal confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's my owner. Romans 10, 8. And this is all done by the Holy Spirit according to 1 Corinthians 12, 3. Those who think that they, they can agree that Jesus is Lord and disallow him to lord it over them have no understanding of the lordship of Jesus Christ. Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So when I have to think about why in the world, Lord, did you allow that to happen to that sweet couple? Why? The burning of that couple is far worse than anything that any of those people got in Orlando. I'd rather be shot any day than tortured and then put on a stake and burned. But you see, I stopped and said, Lord, why? It is my will. And they're with me now. To die is to gain. Not how we have the tendency to look at it. So when, when we are converted from the authority of Satan to the authority of God, we are agreed to submit to the one Lord, one owner, Jesus Christ. Famous phrase by Watchman Nee is uh, used by a lot of people, and that is Jesus is my resident boss. How many young people can be told what to do today? Well, I will say this. You've seen nothing yet. When you are strong and you're a strong authority figure and the, the majority of the entire world is not just resistant to authority, but they're revengeful with their resistance, now you'll understand Pakistan. You open your mouth as a Christian in certain communities in Pakistan and you're dead. Right, Jamil? You're dead. Big problem here in America. I carry a burden for this country, as you probably have guessed. The divine character itself, when Christ comes to dwell in a Christian, he comes complete in the divine character of his Father. For his character cannot be detached from his being. No more than his mind can be detached from his indwelling. So you can quote the verses all day long about the mind of Christ and Christ in you, you in Christ and whatever. I can honestly say to you as a listener, I'm not listening to you. Until those doctrines start lining up with behavior. Doesn't mean sinless. It, it's not something you're touting as something you really truly believe. So therefore, the focus isn't sin, or sin in someone's life, or trying to get the sin out of someone's life. It's just simply, oh, I know that I know who Christ is in me. And you still have got stuff that's going to have to get worked out until you die. But you know Him in you. There's the great starting point of power. Paul describes the divine character as the fruit of the Spirit. Of course, if you read on in our passage today, it goes on in Lissels, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, and godly control of self. That isn't even the short list for Jesus. 
That didn't even come close to revealing the character of Jesus. These are not merely external behavioral traits or psychological attributes or attitudes, but they are the divine character that we receive when the triune God indwells us. For an indwelled Christian to complain that he or she lacks patience or gentleness or any other kind of feature of divine character, and then to seek to develop such through devotionalizing Jesus. I have a book on my shelf. It's called Through the Spirit. It's written by a guy I love to death. His editor is my editor. Great stuff in it. But it's one grade per day. You read the little devotional. You read the little piece of scripture with it. And you focus on gentleness all day long. Is there something wrong with that theology? It's kind of like having a word of the day pop up on your smartphone. That's not smart. You see, it's a life. A life of a day. I would enjoy that one. You know, if, if, if somehow Jesus could get connected on the internet, I'd really appreciate that, Lord. I'll get that on my list. But if you would just pop up on my smartphone and tell me what your will is every day. Now, that would be a cool app. But it's not going to happen. But for Jesus to pop up in your life every day and say, I am He. I am the way today, Stephen. I am the truth. The Akla Shamana Maria. That's what I am. Now, if I can get my arms around that, how could you have a bad day? How can an accident be bad? How can hearing sad news be bad? You see, my response should then be, God, thank you for bringing that couple home. But I want to pray for their babies. I pray for Jamil as he finds an adoption couple. I pray, God, that you would, you would have your way in pouring your life into Jamil's work to secure security for those babies. There's nothing wrong with praying that. But a sigh will be done. But what if I get a report that the eight-year-old girl got sexually abused by a Muslim man next week? Well, so much for my prayers. God doesn't listen to me. He's not going to listen to you, ever. He wants you to listen to him. And when you get so caught up in being one with the voice of God in you, your will is His will. Do you understand that? It's not, sometimes it's His will, sometimes it's mine. Sometimes it's His will. It is, He is. And if I bump into something where I realize I prayed for something and didn't get answered the way I thought it was going to get answered, instead of wrestling with that, which is wrestling with God, Jacob learned how well that worked. And God even allowed the wrestling. But it does nothing. You're not changing anything. Jonah's little pitchman fit of jumping off that ship, trying to commit suicide, accomplished nothing for him. Accomplished something for God. God just let him pitch his fits. I want to die. I'm going on this ship. I'm not going on that ship because you didn't answer my prayers. 
And he gets on a ship to go to Vegas. Tarshish. It was a gambling city. And the other direction. So what does God do? God didn't pitch your fit. Even the, the Laodicean sailors who are worshiping gods from God only knows where were saying, there's something wrong here. There is something wrong here. This man is running from God. Whoever his God is. I mean, the, the man's sound asleep. He has sleeping problems in the morning. He can't get up in the morning and be responsible. Have you ever tried to sleep on a boat, period? I have. It's not easy. Can you imagine a ship in a storm? And he's in the hull of the ship, pounding, bouncing around. And, it, and the captain said, he's sound asleep. He's a runner. He was running from God with his little pitch a fit And God let him do it. And all of a sudden, you know, he just said to the sailors, it's me. Just, just throw me over. He didn't even have the guts. He was such a coward that he didn't have the guts just to stand up on the edge of the ship and jump in. He had to set someone up for murder. Do you understand what happened there? So he said, just... Just throw me in, and the sea will go calm. Well, if I was one of the soldiers, I'd go, Jump, bro! Don't pin this on us! But what did they have to do? They had to gamble. And it said, God was in control of the lots. See, nothing he was doing was changing the will of God. So, he gets tossed in, and I, and I want to just have five, ten minutes with Jonah. He said, Jonah, I tried to bring it out in the Jack the Journey phase that he goes. There's, there's about eight episodes of him being Jonah. I want to ask Jonah, what were you thinking when you were drowning? Before the big fish came, what were you thinking? I got God. I beat him. What were you thinking? So God brings this big fish and devours him, and he's in the belly of the fish, and then Jesus, many, 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 many years later, uses Jonah as the example of being put in the tomb for three days as sin, as a representative of sin. Jesus. That story, folks, of Jonah was played out exactly the way it was supposed to. Jonah creating his own tomb because of his own sin and rebellion. And God did not rescue him until the prayer. On the third day, the end of the third day, there's a prayer written out in the book of Jonah. And here is the prayer. Thy will be done. That's all it is. So you young people listening to the podcast, you can't escape God. It cannot be done. Shoot people. Kill your parents. Start fires in your community. Do whatever it is you have to do, but I'm here to tell you today, in the name of Jesus Christ, you will not change the will of God in your life. All of it will be used for his good. Just like Jonah.
Tough lesson for him to go through, though. To possess him, we behold his gifts. So even in the, uh, the charisma, the gifts, we have to look at it this way. This is a big issue in the church about, well, I'm a prophet and I'm a teacher or I'm a whatever. We need yeah. to understand something about the true understanding of the charisma of Christ. It's his personhood. If I walked around physically with Jesus every day, he'd be a pastor, he'd be a teacher, he'd be a, a prophet, he'd be, a, he'd be all those things all at one time. Well, we can't handle that kind of life. So they're given to us in pieces. Some do get more manifestations than others. These are but the grace, grace expressions of the spirit actions of the ministry of Christ. Christ enters into us through the exchange with all the potentiality of his ministry, which is us, the body of Christ. The spiritual gifts are not trophies of spirituality, nor are they power toys with which indwelt Christians perform their ministries. When the living Christ comes into each believer, he comes complete with all of his abilities to minister and serve through the vessel he has chose to indwell. Romans 12.8 says we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. And also 1 Corinthians 12.7 says to each is given the manifestation, the bubbling up of the Spirit for the common good. The church of the indoor believers worldwide is schizophrenic at best. We are pulling against each other, even using our spiritual gifts as ours, and we're fighting each other with them. One prophet calling out one thing and another prophet calling out one, another thing. And I want to put those two guys in the same room and go, which one of you really knows Jesus? Because the Lord I serve is not double-minded. So which one of you is telling the truth or are both of you lying to the world? Same thing happens in teaching. you got one teacher at one church, Sandy, as I was told recently, Steve, you teach opposite of what our pastor teaches. Okay, well, I go, put those two teachers in the room. Which one are you lying? You get my drift here? We're schizophrenic. One's teaching performance, the other one's teaching topic, all that one's teaching. And there's just so, all these teachers, you have to come to this point of understanding that our church is sick. We're not hearing God. So when someone hears the truth, I don't care what country you're in, and you're listening and you're going, you know, that guy is telling me the truth. I got an email this morning from someone in another state thanking me for just speaking the absolute truth without wavering and you knowing I'm going to reject you. She said, thank you for not budging. <laughs> why, why would I budge for you? What's the point of that? To keep you in my congregation? I don't want people in my congregation 
that don't want truth. I don't care what country you're in. I don't want listeners. I just want to speak the truth and let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit is ordered by our landlord, our life lord, to accomplish. So whether there's a preacher who is in a different country, India, for example, which I got a, a text, I just don't have time to read it to you right now, from an Indian minister who is overwhelmed by the profound truth that he is hearing, and pieces are coming together that he's heard through his, his adult ministry, and they're all coming together because he's hearing the exact truth about the indwelling activity of the life of Jesus Christ. Brother, if you're listening right now, I love you. I enjoy our dialogue. And God is going to do great things through you. You see, it doesn't take much to bear witness with truth. You may not like my style or someone else's style or your pastor's style. That's okay. Is he speaking the truth? Because it's not okay if he's not. The truth, life, of Jesus from within will set you free. Now this diagram we showed you last week, and instead of a gift here, we had a brain to show the point that the mind of Christ actually does live inside you. It's not a metaphor. The exact same thing with the gifts. It's in you. He's in you. And the Spirit is going to be 100% obedient to move through the mandate according to the grace offered and the gift inside your spirit and is going to pour into your mind and your mind's going to go, you mean that's why I do what I do because I'm a teacher? Yeah. That's why I do what I do because I'm a prophet? Yeah. Your spiritual gift is not who you are. It's a display of who he is. Yes. And once you get that, it's a flow issue. Do you see this? It's a flow issue. It has nothing to do with you, but the fact that you're a cool vessel. Whether you dress nice, keep dressing nice, Lester. So whether you dress nice or you dress like a bum, keep dressing like a bum, you bums. Because it's okay. Is Christ moving through you? Is what he wants to know. And that flow will go into every fiber of your body. Well, what if this body was a body of Christ? Seriously. What if what you're looking at, you can download the PDF. It's right underneath that little scripture button. Download the PDF and look at this diagram. What if this body was the entire Bride of Christ, the church worldwide. One body. One nervous system. And there was a full release in the body of Christ. Can you imagine watching that person? I think, maybe, we would be watching Jesus Christ. And the Antichrist is going to go, I'm in trouble. The body of Christ finally figured it out. They're one mind. They're one spirit. They're one body. I'm in trouble. 
But for the rest of you Laodiceans, I give you a warning. Wake up tomorrow continuing to hate your brother. Wake up tomorrow and load that gun. Wake up tomorrow and have that attitude. Wake up tomorrow and make your plans to get back at someone. What you do unto the least of these, my brethren, at 602-292-2982, what you do unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done unto Jesus Christ. He will come for you. So you go do your murdering. You go do your, your revenge on America. But I'm here to tell you, it is my God that will win. He will come for you. And he's not going to offer you special gifts for taking out Christians. He's coming for you. Whether you're 14 or whether you're 40 or whether you're 100, he's coming for you if you touch his son's bride. That's what the second coming is for. Identity statement. In spirit indwelling, we are complete in Christ. Colossians 2.10 Lacking in nothing spiritually. All has become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 And we have received everything God has to give. And as one rather uneducated rule preacher, I got this uh, quote from a friend's blog. Here's what this rule preacher expressed. I thought, it ain't going to get any better than this, okay? Here's what he said. You got all there is to get when you got Jesus. You ain't going to get no more. Because there ain't no more to get. So stop praying for patience. Stop praying for things. Stop praying for secondary items that he wants to already bless you with. So those of you who are into praying for your new this and your new that, I'm not saying God doesn't want you to have your, the new things. He wants to bless us. But you see, he doesn't want to feel like he's obligated to answer your prayers. He wants you to see you love life so much. You love his son so much. You're so entangled in his son so much that as any good mommy or daddy, you want to bless that kid. Do you not? That's a different kind of living. Identity truly does matter. Paul advised the indwell believers, he said this, quote-unquote, all things belong to you. Some have misinterpreted that, haven't they? Still waiting for my Learjet God. And he's like, no, a new desk chair is just fine. So all things belong to you, whether things present or things to come. All things belong to you. Really? That's a huge statement. It belongs to Christ, whereas bride belongs to us. How cool is that? And if I do a divorce thing with Jesus, I'm not going to get it in the divorce settlement. Not 50%. Get nothing. Bummer. Not that we can divorce Jesus. But Paul explained, he says, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite verses, Ephesians 1.3. Peter also concurred, he said, 
quote-unquote, God has granted to us everything pertaining to life, which happens to be Jesus' name. So, God has granted to us everything pertaining to Jesus and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. 2 Peter 1, 3. Now, there's someone listening right now. The rest of you pray for him or her. But there's someone listening right now who God's going to save. I know this to be true. I always get these little unctions, you know, before the message starts of how God's going to do something. And I got one last week, a huge one last week. I got it again this week. God is going to save you right now. I'm going to read this prayer out loud. And as you're listening, driving down the freeway, don't pray these words. I'm just reading doctrinal statements within a prayer. Then I'm going to challenge you to weep before the Lord and just pray whatever is in your heart, your mind. And he's going to save you when you're done. You're going to be taken through the eye of that tree. You're going to experience transformation so you can have everything you heard today. And then I want you to text me or call me at that number. I want to know about it. Because we and others have got great discipleship tools to get you going. Here it is. Listen carefully. Keep your eyes on the road. I confess that I am a sinner. I confess that I am separated from you, O God, you, Christ, you, Holy Spirit. I confess that I am an enemy of Jesus Christ. I confess that I am selfish. I confess that I am trying to be my own God. I confess every sin that is before me, within me, and me being a result of the original sin. I believe I was born as a human into sin. I believe that I grew up in sin, even if I went to church. I believe I need to be transferred, translated, and moved out of that sinful condition and position. Therefore, I choose this day For Jesus Christ to enter my life, my very body, to possess me through the Holy Spirit, to fill me up with the very life of Christ. I pray that that this would be done right now as I am praying. I thank you for coming into my life and filling my life and becoming my life. I thank you for the power of the cross. That my sin has been dealt with. I am no longer under the power of sin. But under the power of the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I thank you Jesus for saving me. And it is in your name that I pray. Amen. You see the reason why you didn't have to pray that is because as you were listening to the words, and those words were actually being firmly planted on your heart, on your mind, in your conscience, 
That is a confession. You don't need to open your mouth to be saved. It can be done in the silence of your mind. You could be duct taped right now, unable to speak. And those words, if it bore witness with what you're feeling and thinking right now, all you have to do is just lay your heart before God, cry if you want to cry, get angry if you want to get angry, because this is the time to get rid of it. And then say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and is God, and is God in me, and He now lives in me. I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will make an exchange right after you say that. Thank you, God, for saving this person. If there's more, awesome. If there's not, awesome. I thank you for the preachers all over the world who don't preach soap suds gospel, social gospel, Laodicean gospel. I thank you for those preachers who preach the truth wherever they're at, in prison, in a church, out on the street, or in the middle of a village that's being attacked by radicals. Wherever they're at, God, I just want to say thank you for their lives and their sacrifice. I don't take that lightly, Lord, and you know it. And I pray for them, and I pray for the redemption of your Son to manifest in those communities and those lives in a way that only you can bring forth a testimony. Today's the day of salvation. And I thank you for the man who prayed that prayer. And I just pray, Father God, you would connect him to the body and someone would be there to grow him. In Jesus' name. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.